Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. And now I'm really aggravated. Greeny rolling on, presented by Progressive Insurance, the great Doris Burke on the Goodyear hotline in this hour. You know, I made a promise to myself I would never read the comments. Don't read the comments on Twitter. It's a bad idea. But I just pointed out this Twitter post that upset me yesterday, and now I just looked at the comments, and I'm a thousand times more upset. you have any idea how tough a week I'm already having? My son, my baby, my youngest, is graduating from high school on Thursday. It is a, a weepy, very dramatic week in my life. I am, I am prone to getting very upset easily. I could be moved literally to tears at practically any moment. And then for those of you just joining me, Stace posts a picture of me yesterday on Twitter, standing next to Dan Orlovsky, (laughs) in which I literally look like I'm his infant son. I don't know what angle this picture was taken at, but for some reason, I look so short next to him. It's insane. And I'm not that short. Now, he is, first of all, very tall. Dan is very tall. And I am a tall man. And I look minute in this picture. Again, it's on Twitter. It's at Stacy GSG. So I made the enormous mistake after we just talked about it of checking the comments. Here's a comment. Again, just in response to this picture, Kyle writes, look at little Sparky. (laughs) Mark writes, I never realized the height difference. Ramiro writes, father and son bonding. DS writes, is Dan that much taller? NY Dragon 69 writes, Greeny, you are the shortest 5'11 and three quarters person I ever saw. LOL. <laughs> JTLA Tiger writes, Mike looks like Dan's little brother. Ramiro writes, he does look like your dad. Confirmed. Justin writes, Dan makes Mike look like a frail old man. What the <laughs> hell is going on here? Why is this happening to me? So I, 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 and, and this is like self-inflicted. This wasn't something that was like printed, like, you know, celebrities will have like, you know, unflattering pictures posted of themselves like on websites and they get upset and they sue. You post for this. My wife posted this picture. My wife put this picture on Twitter and I'm just being mocked and it just has me in a bad mood. So there's that. Plus, the NBA playoffs stink because the Nets are just killing everybody. They beat Milwaukee last night by 39 points in a game that wasn't nearly that close. They just didn't even pay attention to the regular season. James Harden has played, what is it, 43 seconds in this series? And they are just rampaging through this. Listen to how one-sided this is. Kendrick Perkins picked the Bucks to win the series on this radio show. We had him on a week ago or whenever it was. And I said, Big Perk, who's going to win that series? He said, the Bucks are going to win the series. So I've got him on TV this morning on Get Up. And I say to him, Big Perk, your team is down 2-0. If you're a leader on that Bucks team, what are you saying? What's your motivational speech to the guys? Here's what he said. I've never been in this position where I've been down 0-2 in two blowout games. So I don't know what to tell myself. It's been fun. It's been fun. <laughs> he began by saying, it's been fun, fellas. That's it. He said, it's been fun. That's his motivational speech. He's given up. If he's the leader on that team, he's given up. You play a lot of golf, Greeny. What, is, what, what mulligan should the Nets afford the Bucks? Where should we start? 10 nothing, 15 nothing? No, they should load manage. I, they, they should load. This, that's what they're good at. They should load manage the series. They should. I mean, there's no way Kyrie should play game four. 
Why would he? I'm not sure he should play game three. Harden won't play again. Harden probably won't play again the whole playoffs. Harden will just sit there resting his hamstring, drinking a big gulp on the sideline. That I don't know. What, what was he drinking last night? I want someone to get to the bottom of that. I see a picture of James Harden drinking from a straw that literally looks. I, I mean, obviously, it was something. But you know what I'm talking about, right? When you go into, like, I don't know if it's at a 7-Eleven. I don't drink that yeah. stuff. But whatever those huge tub of a drink you can get is that has all the ice in it and it's like slushy. Oh, is the it a slushy? icy. The icy. The icy. That's good. That's is that what good. that is? You ever had those? No. The, like the blue raspberry. They have the strawberry. It's... Have I had a blue raspberry icy? Uh, Who are you talking uh, to? Fair enough. So, so no, of course not. But my point is, that's what it looks like, <laughs> right? I've always seen them. People seem to have those, and they got these huge straws. Like you can barely fit the straw in your mouth. It's so wide. <laughs> Because, like, the ice is so thick, you can't, if you put it in a little straw, it won't go up there because you can't, that drink won't make it up. He's got a bad hammy. He's got to hydrate. So he's got to sit there. So he's hydrating with a slushy or a slurpy or whatever it is he'd get there. And and they'll load manage. And that's what that playoff series is. So here's the real question. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Nuno, I'm asking it to you. How is history going to remember Kevin Durant's titles? Now, let me give a little context before you answer. He is an historically great player for sure. I believe he's the greatest scorer ever. He lost in KC, OKC over and over, teamed up with the best team ever to win two. Now here he is in Brooklyn with these guys. I feel like one title in OKC would have meant more than all the rest combined. So the question is, he's six weeks away from being a three-time NBA champion. How will history, Nuno, remember these titles? I think this, I think if Harden doesn't play the rest of the playoffs and they win this one, I think this will be the one they actually give them credit for. I think the other two, it's going to be like you joined a 73 and 9 team, which was which was unfair. I think this one he will actually, a lot of guys will be like, oh, Kevin Durant finally got one title. Yeah, because that's fair. This one, this one, he came first. Right? Like, he decided to come, he and Kyrie together, but he came first. And then the fact that they got Harden is what skewed all of this. Like, if they didn't have James Harden right now, it would feel totally different. So I actually just was looking at a post. I wasn't going to – this just jumped into my head to talk about it. Hold on. I was looking at a post. Who posted this? It's ESPN's Instagram account. Posted the question, who would win this series? The Warriors of 2018 – or the Nets of this year. And they put up all the pictures of the guys, and the matchups would be epic. All right, so here we go. Who has the advantages? Uh, Bubba, let me ask you. I'm going to ask you these questions because many may not know this, but before his career in radio production, Bubba was an NBA scout. I mean, was extraordinarily well-regarded in that area, scouted primarily in Eastern Europe, many of the best players that have ever come to the U.S., including Tony Kukoc. So here's my question for you, Bubba. I'm just going to give you the matchup. Who has the edge? Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving. Steph Curry. All right, that's Warriors. Clay Thompson versus James Harden. James Harden. One each. Kevin Durant versus Kevin Durant. That's obviously a wash. I'm not sure if we want to say that Durant was better than before the Achilles, but it's the same person. So let's basically just say we're at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Andre Iguodala versus Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Over Iguodala. Yeah, well, I like Joe Harris. Okay. <laughs> I would go Iguodala. I, I like Joe Harris, too. Draymond Green versus Blake Griffin. 
Draymond. Yeah, for sure. So if indeed you are going to give that one to Joe Harris, which I'm not, but if you were to, and I will defer to Bubba because of his endless expertise in this field, then you would say it's a pretty even matchup. Are the Nets that dominant? Are the, the level of dominance that the Warriors were, I remember, that was the year we launched Get Up, and I remember sitting here complaining all through the spring that the Warriors have ruined the sport. I remember having Adam on, and we were going back and forth and going at it, and he acknowledged himself like this was just a unique little circumstance that he became a free agent at the time that the contracts exploded, that whatever it was. It was, a, it was sort of a flukish event that allowed that to happen. Is this team that good? They might be as good as the 2018 version of the Warriors. That team lost five playoff games. The year before, they only lost the one. They only lost that one game in the postseason. The 2017 Warriors were better than the 2018 Warriors. Oh, so why did they put up the 2018 Warriors? Who knows? I'm not even sure why they they used that one as the option. Well, the 2018 Warriors, that that was a team that lost three games to the Rockets in the conference finals. The year before, they swept all the way through and lost only one game in totality. That that was the the team that just looked like they would never lose a game, literally, no matter what happened. 17. Is your dad's razor older than you are? Get him something new for Father's Day, a DSC six-blade razor. It's perfect for an extra-close, precise shave. Get one now at a store near you or as part of a gift set at dollarshaveclub.com slash greenie. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash greenie. And that picture with Orlovsky, I look like I'm excited about shaving for the first time. (laughs) Coming up next, the most disappointing team in all of sports right now by far. Next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star shopify powers 10 percent of all e-commerce in the u.s and shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, rothy's and brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries plus shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com com slash greenie or lowercase go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash greenie greenie the podcast greenie with you presented by progressive insurance doris burke coming up in just a few minutes i got a tweet here that says Lil Mikey sure is cute. Another one that says, 
Hey, Dad, can I drive the golf cart? <laughs> All the jokes are coming in fast and furious about how short I look in this picture standing next to Dan Orlovsky. I blame my wife completely. But it also was a perfect natural segue for me to bring Buster Olney into the conversation. Robert Stanberry Olney third, my baseball insider extraordinaire on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead, Goodyear more driven. Hello again, Buster Olney. You know, I really appreciate how you deflected the height jokes right on to me. Thank you very much. Well, I don't know if you've seen this picture, but I will send it to you if you haven't. And 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 we took a picture at this golf outing yesterday, and I'm standing next to Orlovsky. I think we must be standing on a hill because, I mean, he's much taller than me, but he's not two feet taller than me. <laughs> and that's what it looks like. It looks like he's standing on a box and I'm on my knees. One way or another, it's very upsetting. All right, Buster, I have two things I want from you today. The first of them is, we're going to get to the second one, and I want to spend a little time on that, but give me a general response to the first one. The most disappointing team in American sports right now is the New York Yankees, where your friend and mine, Mr. Hembo, was telling me before the season started was the most prohibitive favorite that he could ever remember there being in any league, and now here they are, and they stink. So give me, give me a, a quick synopsis, Buster, of what is wrong and what, if anything, can be done to solve it. The offense is the worst in our lifetime, uh, which is so uh, contrary to the Yankees that we've seen basically, uh, you know, since Babe Ruth was dealt to them uh, from the Boston Red Sox. Look, you know, every year they always rank in the top four, five, or six teams in runs scored. And this year they're 27th in runs, the lowest runs per game since 1972. It's a very right-handed team. They lead the majors hitting into double plays and making outs on the bases. And if they're going to turn this around, either, you know, guys on the team like D.J. LeMahieu has been a disappointment this year. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton recently is really slumped. they got to turn it around. And Brian Cashman, the general manager, has to make deals to make the team more athletic and have more left-handed balance. And I want to make it clear, because sometimes you compare numbers over the course of time, and all offensive numbers generally are down right now. But Hembo went through these with me earlier today. The Yankees' numbers are like the worst in the sport right now. So it's not just that they are bad as compared to the great Yankee teams or any Yankee teams of the last 100 years. They're bad in the sport today. Their their run generation is the worst in the sport today. Their lineup is unimaginably imbalanced. If you take away home runs, they're averaging two runs per game, which is last in the American League. So it is a disaster, and we'll see if they're able to do anything about it. So there's that. Anyone watching and paying attention can see that. Here's what I really wanted to talk about. The Scoop. Buster, I, I'm, I've been following you and reading your work on this on, on ESPN.com and elsewhere. I'm sure a lot of baseball fans, casual fans, are following this foreign substance controversy and are not really 100% clear on what it means. But I would love you to give a, a relatively quick explanation of what this problem is in the sport, what's being done about it, and why everyone should care. Okay, there is a rule that pitchers are not allowed to have foreign substances and use foreign substances when pitching. Uh, but in the last 20 years or so, what you've had is a, sort of a gentleman's agreement among managers and players that, you know, it's okay if you get a little sunscreen on you, a little pine tar to help get a tacky feel on your fingers. Well, in recent years, the last few years, the thought is that pitchers have weaponized this. Uh, and they have found ways to use spider tech adhesive and super glue type materials to get better spin rates on their fastballs and their breaking balls. 
And there is a belief that this has really contributed to the diminishment of offensive numbers that you just referenced across the sport. And this year in particular, position players behind the scenes are going crazy because they realize it's a zero-sum situation. And if pitchers are dominating, that means hitters are essentially having money taken out of their pockets. And so they have been complaining. Major League Baseball doesn't like the, the product. And so now, sometime in the next two weeks, they're going to order umpires to check pitchers for foreign substances. It's going to be a major change. And what will happen? Well, uh, so uh, if, in fact, a, a memo is going to go out to teams later this week, and after that, Major League Baseball will officially order umpires to do checks of pitchers. And from what I understand, they're going to do random checks. It's going to be like DUI checkpoints, eight to ten a game, probably two for each starting pitcher. Because they're concerned uh, about the effect on pace of play, a lot of those checks are going to happen as pitcher leaves the mound, pitchers leave the mound at the end of a half inning or an outing where an umpire is going to intercept them and say, show me your hands, show me your glove, show me your belt. Uh, and, uh, you know, oh, by the way, <laughs> uh, as part of this, in the last couple of months, Major League Baseball has essentially developed scouting reports on where pitchers use foreign substances because it's been out in the open. Like anybody watching on television knows that this has been going on and umpires are going to be brief going into each series and being told Mike Greenberg, pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, likes to have a little uh, pelican grip on the long uh, string hanging off his glove. That's what you look for. It is going to be a very different approach by umpires. And what will they do if they find it? That what they've been talking about, and none of this was finalized when I reported on this the other day, what they've been talking about is suspending violators 10 days without pay. Mm-hmm. The union might push back, but the feeling in baseball is that this has had such a dramatic impact on offensive numbers, on position players, that they're going to just say, you know what, we're going to throw the book at you. If you want to take it to a grievance, go ahead. Fascinating. And so, again, I'm, I'm so glad we did this because I've been reading these stories and I realized that even I, who live in this stuff every single day, had to really carefully go through it to make sure I was fully understanding the magnitude of it and the importance of it. And so that's why I know, Buster, you've been all over this and that's why I wanted to make sure that we got it on here. All right. Thank you, my friend. Always appreciate it. I'll see you soon. All right, Greeny, I'll try to grow between now and the next time I see you. <laughs> Best of luck with that. The great Buster Olney, uh, Robert Stanberry Olney III, raised on a Vermont dairy farm, and no one is more fun to talk baseball with anywhere. Uh, coming up next, the great Doris Burke, no one is more fun to talk basketball with. Is this series with the Nets and the Bucks already over and the rest of the playoff picture? All that and more. Doris will join us live right after this. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like For the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. 
Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you, coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. The great Doris Burke live in 30 seconds talking hoops. After this word from California Almonds, you want to be your best. Whether your best means being the best bingo player in the office or the best volleyball player on the planet. And to do that, you need some help. Your teammate to tackle anything and everything. A handful of almonds have six grams of plant-based protein are an excellent source of vitamin E and magnesium. It's the snack you need to keep your head in the game and your body energized. So whether you're going for the gold or another round of bingo, refuel with almonds. California almonds own your every day, every day. And with that, it is my delight to bring Doris Burke into the conversation on the Goodyear Hotline. She will have games two and three of Clippers Jazz for ESPN and ABC and all other things basketball. Hello again, Doris Burke. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? It's been too long since we've had a chance to catch up. It has, and I'm doing badly, and I will tell you why. One of the reasons is because my wife posted a picture of me standing next to Dan Orlovsky, and, and, and just the way we're standing, I, I look like he's two feet taller than me, and I feel, I feel very bad about it. So there's that, and everyone's making fun of me. But that's not really your problem. Here's the one thing that might be, <laughs> and that is I'm, I'm feeling bad that the Nets are about to ruin the playoffs. That, that what they did last night without James Harden, you know, I, I sat down with my son and my nephew and we're all excited to watch this game. And like 15 minutes into it, I, I, I'm looking to read a book. So I'm worried, uh, Doris, that the Nets are just going to run rampant through this thing. Can you make me feel better? You know, I'm not sure I can uh, because I was shocked at what happened last night. The fact that the the Milwaukee Bucks could manufacture a total of 86 points against the 22nd-ranked defense in the NBA was shocking to me. And if this becomes an isolation series, you are talking about two of the best to ever do it in isolation in, in Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So if the Milwaukee Bucks do not find a way, Mike, to get multiple action offense, to get to the second side of the floor, to get Giannis Antetokounmpo a shot in the paint at some point in the first period of game three would be a very good thing. And let's give some credit to the Nets because I thought their defense was good. 
Steve Nash has spent the entire season talking about getting their defense to a respectable level, getting sharp enough and consistent enough with their switching that they have a legitimate shot at a title. I, I am like you. I sat there in abject disbelief at, at what happened with the Milwaukee Bucks. And listen, it's been a privilege for me to watch Kevin Durant. I've seen him walk up in finals games with the weight of the world and the weight of the game on his shoulders and him just consistently deliver. Um, so that from that pers- perspective, that, that was fun. Uh, but I am really, really shocked at what transpired last night. Me too. <laughs> and it's even worse because when we talk about great isolation players and everything else, James Harden has played 43 seconds in this series. Um, and then last night it, we were trying to decide what that is. He's sitting there drinking on the side. It looks like a Slurpee or a, a, whatever those big gulps are <laughs> with that huge straw. Like they don't even need them. Like, like they, they have James freaking Harden sitting there on the bench and they don't even need him. That is a level of dominance that I can't ever remember seeing. They don't need him in this series, mm-hmm. but let's be real. And I had somebody pose this question to me uh, last week. You know, do do if the Brooklyn Nets win this thing, you know, is there anything for an NBA fan to celebrate? Uh, and I said, well, first of all, can we just, you know, pump the brakes on, on winning the championship? We're, we're a long way from that, obviously. There's still some series to be played here and a couple more games, hopefully at least in this series. Um, and, and this is something that people, I think, around uh, the Nets would say to you is, you know, the single di- biggest difference maker for a long stretch of the season was James Harden. Mm-hmm. And I would think that uh, there's some team out there that can apply enough pressure on you to make his absence be felt if he can't get back. And it's difficult, right? I know the first two games have looked easy for the Nets, but winning an NBA championship is difficult. There will be challenges ahead, even if the Milwaukee Bucks don't provide it. So I'm, I'm hopeful to see James because, there's, and you know this, Mike, we, we've watched James be a virtuoso on the offensive end, absorb all the criticism. Is he fun to watch? He dominates the ball, et cetera, et cetera. Luka Doncic now facing similar criticism in some circles about how much he dominates the ball. But the fact of the matter is he has an opportunity to maybe change the narrative on what has been a brilliant individual career. So I hope he gets a chance to get back and participate. Me too. And I'd love to see them in a real competition. Greeny and the great Doris Burke, who's with me um, on, on TV this morning, both Jalen Rose and Jay Williams with me were critical mm-hmm. of Giannis um, mm-hmm. and, and his lack of aggressiveness and some of his limitations, which are quite simply, he's an unbelievable player, but he is not a good shooter. And in the NBA today, that is more important than it's ever been. So as you watch him right now, mm-hmm. what can he mm-hmm. do to get Milwaukee back in this series? Yeah, I, I thought I saw a level of, of passivity that was surprising, especially in light of the, the playoff failures from a year ago. And they came in as an organization top down, understanding that this season was really a referendum uh, that would be, you know, they would be subjected to at this exact moment in time. So you spend an entire season being uncomfortable, doing things defensively you haven't done yet, and you don't look ready for the moment. Those are facts. They have not looked ready. And I think they were guilty last night of something you see sometimes consistently in the playoffs, particularly for a team that's operating at the point in history in which the Bucks are having dominated regular seasons, Giannis winning multiple MVPs. They tried to do it individually. 
They played a lot of one-on-one basketball. And I go back to my original point. If this is an ISO game, fellas, you are in trouble. Mm-hmm. You, you've got – and Giannis has to be more assertive and aggressive. They've got to be able to play off their defense, get some stops, get out and transition, have Giannis, you know, at the cup quickly and putting all the pressure he can on. Uh, but, yes, and let's be real. And, and this – this is interesting to me because anytime, Mike, you go to the Bucks practice facility, which we've not been able to do, but anytime you watch Giannis practice and shoot threes before, he is excellent. He can do it. Yes, it's a shot that takes time to manufacture because it just the way his shooting motion is, it takes time. He can do it. It's, it's a mental battle for him, right? And when, when defenses are consistently giving you a cushion and just saying, go ahead, Prove it, prove it, prove it. Like you're having those doubts in your mind. And even though you've put in the work and you know from a physical standpoint you can do it, they're challenging you to prove it. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time. And until he does it, well, you better get used to it because the floor will be shrunk. You will be facing multiple bodies when you come near the paint, as Bruce Brown did consistently last night. Those guards are going to be digging down and forcing you to kick it to open shooters, and oh, by the way, Chris Middleton had better start to make some shots on those kickouts because it's the only thing that's going to allow Giannis to get, get his opportunities. So there's a lot of blame to be around, but the flaws in Giannis's game, yes, they're exposing them. Prove it to me. You're giving me some hope. Um, this conversation with Doris Burke is giving me some hope. I had given up hope, and now you're giving me some hope. So we'll see if it goes that way with the Nets in the East. As I mentioned, Doris will have games two and three of Clippers Jazz for ESPN and ABC in the West, which feels as wide open as I can ever remember anything. It, it's a conference that Golden State dominated for a while, and then LeBron last year, and now here we go with all of these teams with very little history and a whole lot of talent. As you sort of sit back and look at the four teams in the West big picture right now, who do you like? Who who do you think, if everyone plays their best, who's the best team? Well, if you don't mind, could I take it in another direction? Sure, of course. Because I think it's so so, uh, on point for the modern era of the NBA. So we have talked a lot, Mike, about the three-point revolution and how much value there is placed on that shot. Mm -hmm. And for old schoolers, it's frustrating. Uh, You know, for Pop uh, in San Antonio, it's counterintuitive to build your offense from the outside in. The Jazz are setting an NBA record, taking 49% of their shots from three-point territory. They have leaned all the way into the three-point revolution. So if, in fact, they advance to an NBA Finals or even perhaps a conference final and it becomes they're on the brink of the finals, what does that do to the philosophical, you know, uh, uh, vantage points of all these franchises? Do we have even more leaning in to the three-point shot? Here's what I believe, though. The Los Angeles Clippers have the exact physical makeup that could present the team that has the best record in basketball this season, the Utah Jazz. Let's be honest. They had the best record. They were the best team. They have the makeup that gives Utah problems. They are switchable across positions because you have to play Rudy Gobert. You don't have to consistently downsize. And the absence of Mike Conley means Paul George can guard Donovan. Kawhi Leonard can be on Boyan Bogdanovich. You need guys who can get off the dribble, who can touch the paint and can spray it out to the shooters. So if Mike Conley doesn't play, I like the Clippers to advance. And boy, what momentum they would have going into a Western Conference final. 
And and listen, it's about shot making for for Utah. Can they make enough threes? It's been about that the whole way. So that 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 particular matchup fascinates me. Me too. And that's such excellent analysis of it. And, you know, I'm sure that as you sit here and are going over all of it, you go back to that game six that Kawhi has the other night. And, yeah. and that really is the stuff of legend, right? I mean, we've, we've, the, the, it tends to happen in game six. It's Clay's game six, LeBron's game six. Now Kawhi has that. He's a two time champion and has been the MVP yeah. of the finals twice. But that to me was one of the best performances I've ever seen from him. Yeah, and he's been able to function uh, in the way that he is perfectly comfortable, correct? All season long, because perhaps, you know, uh, they were they just managed to stay just enough under the radar to make Kawhi settle in. And he is a brilliant two-way basketball player, uh, and he'll be prepared. And I guess the one thing I would say is, okay, he had to expend a lot of energy. So if you're the Jazz, you've been off since last Wednesday. Is that ready or is it rust? And then Kawhi Leonard, think about what he had to do in that first round just to dig them out of there. What's his energy level? I, I would assume he's he's 100% fine. I just think the Clippers are going to make the Jazz a one-on-one basketball team because of their switchability. And I, if I were the West, I might be a little bit concerned about what the Clippers could build in this next series and the momentum they could possibly have if they were to advance to a West final. It's a good point you make in that, like a year ago, they were the team everyone was expecting, and now here they are a little bit under the radar, comparatively speaking. Let's see if they do it. One more thing, Doris, I so appreciate the time. You you said something about Luca that I'm interested in. Um, I love him, and I, I love watching him play. I love his spirit. He's 22 years mm-hmm. old, and he accounted for 77 points in a game seven on the road on right. Sunday. So that's about as good as it gets. What, what, what is the criticism you hear? And, and because it's not something I knew much about and, and, and I hadn't heard yeah. much of. And, and what is your sense of him right now at, at this stage of his career and what you think he might become? I, I believe this article is on the ringer, uh, Mike, and I'll, I will go back through my notes and search it, but I believe it was a piece in the immediate aftermath of their loss. Um, and it was essentially talking about how ball-dominant Luca is, and, and I love watching him play. I mean, he's an MVP candidate every year, and think about how young he is. Um, but you heard sort of Chris Stapp's Porzingis, and he did this consistently throughout the season, sort of complain about his touches. And, you know, the expectation was he would be the number two. Now, I think he has to accept responsibility for his level of play. But this, I believe it was the Ringer article, it, it just talked about, yes, he's brilliant. And yes, he can carry a team uh, to the brink of a win in, in big moments, but does essentially the question was, does he have the ball too much? And you've heard this a little bit from Kendrick Perkins, too, uh, our great analyst for ESPN, who's not ever afraid to share an opinion. He said, I think this is on uh, uh, Rick Carlisle. And, and, you know, there were objections from Zach Lowe and Richard Jefferson. No, it's more. So the debate has begun. Who is this on the shoulders of? Does Luca have the ball too much? Is this on Rick Carlisle? Is it on Luca? Do they have to get other people involved? I think he's brilliant, but one man is never enough to win an NBA championship, or very rarely, perhaps, <laughs> is, a, is one man enough to win an NBA championship. So it is really sort of in the formative stages, and I think he's a brilliant basketball player. I think if you're the Mavs, you're examining every single thing about, about what's going on right now. Again, Doris Burke will have games two and three of Clippers Jazz for us on ESPN and ABC. It is always a pleasure to catch up. Thank you so much, Doris. We'll be watching.
Great to visit with you, Mike. Be well. You take care. All right. And here I found the story while she was talking. I just Googled it quickly. It's easy to find. It is a ringer story. Jonathan, is it Jarks? T-J-A-R-K-S. I wrote it. Charks. Thank you. I I apologize uh, that I don't know how to pronounce it. But one way or the other, I found the story. The headline is, Luca is in a league of his own for better or worse. And it talks about how well he played and all the things he did. But I'm going to read you. I found the part of it that I thought was most important. Hold on a second. Let me get to this. Stand by. He writes, uh, what Doncic did to the Clippers was the closest thing to a one-man offense you will ever see in the playoffs. He had the most total points either scored or assisted in a game seven, as well as the highest percentage of his team's baskets in any playoff game in game number five. But there are downsides to being a one-man offense. Basketball is a zero-sum game. There are only so many points, rebounds, and assists to go around. The more Luka gets, the fewer there are for anyone else. He's so good that he inevitably turns the players around him into bystanders. That was always LeBron's issue, too. It never made sense for him to give up control of the offense even for a moment. There have been rumblings all season in Dallas about the strained relationship between Luka and Kristaps Porzingis. Mark Cuban even acknowledged them in an interview. Playing in such a Luka-centric offense can be difficult for a former All-Star like Porzingis. The initial idea when the Mavs traded for him was that he would be the 1B to Luka's 1A. But Porzingis' average time of possession was a sixth of Luka's during the regular season. He became more like a fourth or fifth option because Luka was options 1, 2, and 3. I'm not going to read you the entire thing, but, but, but that's the basic idea of it. So I, I guess the question is, is that fair? Sitting where I sit, and I will admit, I do not watch every game the Mavericks play all season long, obviously. I watch the highlights. I look at the numbers. And during the play, I probably, of that, of that seven-game series, I think I saw five of the games. That looked to me like a team that either Luka was going to do it or it wasn't going to get done. That's what I think. Like, I remember the early Michael Jordan Bulls teams when Jordan scored 63 points in a, in a loss to the Celtics. Like they were just outmanned. They were outmatched. There's n- literally nothing he could do that they were going to win, and he was going to do absolutely everything he could. And that's what it looks like to me. Now, we did poke a little fun at Porzingis earlier in this show, which I take back not a word of, based upon what we are seeing. But I think what the suggestion of this piece is, is that Luca is part of that issue. That Luca maybe the next, let's put it this way, Maybe it is fair to say the next level of the development of his game is going to be to figure out how to make Porzingis great because Luca is great and he can put up numbers the likes of which we've practically never seen. But it is very reasonable to say if he's going to win anything of consequence, he's going to need at least one more great player with him and maybe it's his job to make Porzingis that player. Is that a fair thing to say? I think that's fair, although it does remind me some, like the piece suggested, of early LeBron. Like, Luka's probably way better than even they thought. So when they brought in Kristaps Porzingis, like, like they mentioned in the piece, 1A and 1B, maybe Luka doesn't need a 1B, though. Like, maybe what you need is a bunch of 3 and D guys. Maybe you need, you need to build a team the way that the Sixers used to build a team around Allen Iverson, a bunch of guys that can play defense and make shots. Maybe Kristaps Porzingis, even uh, so long as Luka continues to improve and make his teammates better, isn't even the right fit. He's so good, I think, that he's already grown out of that role. Perhaps. Now, the problem is you owe Kristaps Porzingis $150 million over the next few years, so you don't really have that option. Nuno, real quick, what do you think? Uh, my, my VP of Basketball Insight, 
Nuno, what do you think? Is any, is any criticism of Luka Doncic coming out of that series, in your opinion, fair? No. The only criticism I have of Luka is he complains way too much. He needs, and he's admitted right. that. He That's needs separate, to stop yeah. That. But no, I think at this point in time, he is, maybe Hembo is right, that he's too good to have this belief that he needs someone on his level next to him. But here's the problem. In the same show today, we just said that, and earlier we said no one player is good enough to win a championship anymore. So if the objective is to win a championship, he needs to find another great player to play with, and he needs to learn how to play with them. Not necessarily. The, the Raptors won a championship a few years ago with Kawhi Leonard being the 1A, and then everyone else being sort of good complementary pieces around him. He might be more that kind of player than he would be someone who you want to compile other you know, high-volume scorers or touchers around him. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. Okay. I looked at the numbers here, Greeny. NBA, uh, NBA Advanced Stats does a, a time of possession stat, just the amount of seconds that the ball was in your hands. Mm-hmm. In the p- playoffs this year, Luca more than 12 minutes per game. In the playoffs this year, uh, Porzingis, less than one minute per game. It was that kind of, that kind of difference. So 12 to 1. 12 to 1. Is 12 the most of any player? Do By you have far. that? Who's, who's second? Trey Young is up there. Russell Westbrook is up there. But, tr- but 12 minutes for Luka blows everyone else away. All right. This is an interesting one. I'm glad Doris brought that up. We can get into it more tomorrow. If you missed anything today, a reminder that we're, we stream on ESPN+. Plus. You can watch anytime you want. You can also listen to the podcast. Both hours posted daily as a podcast. They're available wherever you want. And once again, I'm distressed by how short I look in the photo next to Dan Orlovsky. So I'm going to go find him. I'm going to stand on a large box. I'm going to take another picture, and I'm going to post it later. Have a wonderful day, and we'll be back in Better Than Ever tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.